Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. podcast welcome back to another week we're actually gonna skip our weekly recap this week we don't have much anyway so it's fine our lives are so boring we're boring <laughs> but we do have a really special guest Wait, that i guess we should maybe update really quick sorry just not to change the okay. subject but we did make sales so we can still talk about adobe lane remember last week we were like we can't talk about it anymore if we make no sales oh yeah yeah we can talk about it it's a thing right now <laughs> right now <laughs> we're doing good now wait till christmas but <laughs> We are so grateful for everybody that ordered and supported us. We love you. Yes, and stay active on our pages because we've been kind of MIA, but we want you guys to still feel community from those pages. So From like Codependent From page. Codependent page and yeah, the Adobe kinda, Lane Insiders. Yeah, we kind of have like ooh, had a hard time splitting our time between all our Instagram accounts, but we have a goal to be super active on the Codependent page and the Facebook page. So this week has just been nuts and Jamie was gone and then the launch and everything. So... You know, we have families too. It's just uh, it's a thing. It's a hectic time of our lives, but we are so, 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 so grateful. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So, anyways, jumping right back into it. Kenzie, cut me out. Sorry. <laughs> no. And Kenzie's here. And Kenzie's here. No, we have a really special guest that we're really excited. She has a big story to tell and a lot to share with you guys. And we hope that, as always, our codependent girlies will reach out and make our guests feel special and hopefully some of you can relate and gain insight and yeah we just we so, love that every yeah. single time we have a guest on they get like overwhelming responses from people just like everybody's so supportive on our podcast yeah. so I love that we just have like a trusting like demographic like an audience that's just like there to uplift and support no matter who it is and you guys trust that we're gonna bring on some good guests so yes. without further ado, <laughs> we have Abby here. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Hello, I'm Abby Lindblom. I live in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm married to my husband, David, and we have two kids, an almost three-year-old and then a almost five-month-old little girl, our three-year-old's a boy. Um, and yeah, there's just, I mean, that's the basics, life's I guess, crazy. about me. Yes. And yes, life is crazy, but um, I kind of wanted to share like a summary of what I was going to talk about um, just so you guys had an idea of what the bullet points of kind of I was going to say. Um, so first one would be childhood trauma, um, boundaries, anxiety, navigating a split faith marriage and running a business with two young kids. Um, do you guys want me to just jump into the first? Yeah, one? Let's just jump into childhood starting okay. from, from the, the beginning. very beginning. Yeah. You okay. were born. Yes, I was born. <laughs> and then, um, okay. So I'm just going to kind of like summarize this briefly and you guys can ask me whatever questions Perfect. Yeah. but no I love that um so my parents got divorced when I was six um we switched off living with my mom and my dad um my mom lived on a ranch in Scottsdale so it was an hour drive and she drove us to school the weeks that she had us so we drove for an hour there one week we were driving to school What's, sorry was your dad in Gilbert then my dad lives in Mesa on Val Vista and Brown that's okay. where I grew up okay, okay. Cool. yeah yeah so then Scottsdale to Mesa cool. yes yeah 
we were driving to school. I was in sixth grade, and my two other siblings were there. I have an older brother and a younger sister. We're all two years apart. A truck in front of us dropped a box, like, the size of a refrigerator, but she had time to, like, move, but her reaction was really slow, and she jerked the wheel, like, late, and we flipped, like, five times over the freeway. We We were in a huge truck, and it was like squished down to like the size of a car and none of us even had a scratch it was like a complete miracle and I really feel like God was like there with us the whole time like it was insane do Do you you remember it yes I remember it my mom like looked back at my sister and said put your seatbelt on and she put her seatbelt on after the crash oh sorry yeah and then the crash happened and it was just I just it's just the weirdest feeling you're just like it's so weird that I remember it because I have such a bad memory. But, like, you're just, like, rolling and you're just, like, thinking, like, I literally was sitting there, please don't die, please don't die. And I was, like, saying prayers, like, so fast, like, as we are rolling. And that's, no. that's what I remember for that. And then all of a sudden, like, all these ambulance police, they're, like, prying the truck apart to, like, get us out. And they were just, like, you guys should be dead. Like, like how are you alive? Yeah, not even a scratch. And your mom wasn't hurt either. No. I literally think, actually, my mom had, like, one scratch on her wrist. But all of us had nothing, basically. So did, do you think your mom knew she was going to hit it? And that's why she told your sister to put her seatbelt on? Or do you think that was just, like, well, way before? It was way before. That's oh, why it was weird. That's why it was so crazy. Yes. Like, was your mom an avid seatbelt wearer? Like, <laughs> no. our mom, if the second you get in the car, she's like, everyone put their seatbelts on. Like, that's no, my mom. No, she wasn't. So, so it was just, it was like... Just, so it was out of character. Yes. Do and you, I feel like it was, like like a hand like God's yeah. hand like do you feel like that's like kind of where like your memory or your story like starts like that was like a big thing for you to like yes. okay and, like, like what was before that like life like when, you when your got parents di- got yeah, yeah yeah when your parents got divorced like so like I would say obviously that was like a big thing but the I would say the biggest thing that like kind of like made me realize like okay my life is changing is I knew my parents were getting divorced my they would switch off living in a hotel um, and then living with us at our house. So like one would be at a hotel, the other would be with us to switch off every other week before my mom um, moved to her ranch. And one week my mom was there, um, her whole family came and they like loaded all her stuff up and moved it to the ranch. So I feel like I physically saw that as a child, like, okay, she's leaving, you know, like, like they're yeah. getting a divorce. And they didn't talk to you guys about like what was happening. I honestly don't remember. Don't remember. Yeah. I, I was like six. Yes. But I like vividly remember that like okay my life's changing they're separated you know like I was seeing it like physically seeing it so I feel like that was my big where I was like okay everything's gonna be different now you know um and so from then my mom lived on that ranch in Scottsdale and my dad lived in the house in Mesa so every other week we live with one of them for a week then go to the other one for a week so were they pretty like they could talk to each other or was they there no no it wasn't civil at all my um our household was pretty abusive and I feel like that's a lot of the reason that she left and it's also a lot of the reason that she stayed for I think it was 12 years she stayed just to like protect us but then she Mm -hmm. just had enough and had to leave yeah so no they absolutely did not talk at all so you get in this car accident yeah so we get in the car accident and there was a few other things that were kind of like off but like with the car accident kind of like made my mom's family realize like okay things are really off because I would, she would like just pass out in her room and like not wake up to take us to school. And I, she, her door would be locked and I would like climb in her tiny window on the side to like wake her up. And she would just be like out of it, like random stuff. But as a kid, you don't think like, oh, they're doing this probably. You know, you just think. You oh, don't even really know what that is. No, you just are like, hey, wake up. You're tired, you know. Um, and so my grandparents, her parents, um, got a strand of her hair from her hairbrush and tested it, uh, drug tested it. And it had um, super high levels of cocaine um, in her system. 
And so that is when they were like, we don't want you to, we don't want to take you away from your mom, but like you're, you're not in saying. a dangerous situation. Yeah. yeah. So they took it to whoever, like the court or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we got taken away from her and permanently placed with my dad. So we couldn't talk. Well, we couldn't live with her or see her on our own until we were 18. We were allowed to see her with a mediator there, but she had to take a, I think it was like a weekly drug test and she started like failing them. And so we couldn't see her. She would like have to do these things in order. Yeah. Yeah. So happening. So then we really didn't see her till we were 18. Did you ever like remember, like obviously you found her like passed out. Do you ever remember like seeing any, anything like that was alarming as a kid or were you just like, my mom's just like sleeping and like not being functional. The only thing is that she would smoke cigarettes a lot, Uh but that was the only thing. But I think when you're younger, you're like, you don't, you don't know that a lot of people do that. Yeah. And that's more normal now. But like back then I was like, she's smoking a cigarette. Like that is so bad, you know? Oh yeah. And then like, I would see like, um, she loved vodka. That was like her favorite drink. And there would be like vodka. I don't even know why people freeze it, but it would be in the freezer. Yeah. So I didn't really put like two and two together because you're just young and you don't really know what anything is. You want to think the best of your parents. Yes, for sure. So it was like kind of, kind of shocking, but then a little bit like was like, Oh, these things kind of make sense Mm -hmm. now, you know? Um, so we were, the court took us away from her and we were permanently, um, set to live with my dad and couldn't see my mom till we were 18. Um, and our household was super abusive. And so it was really hard for us kids living with my dad and it was just not a good situation. And that's ultimately where my anxiety and like depression started. And what I struggle with even to this day, um, was from living in an abusive household. And I didn't realize that it was anxiety then because I didn't, that wasn't talked about and I didn't know like what that was, but now I'm coming to realize like, okay, I did this and this and this because I had anxiety and like trauma and all this stuff, you know? And sometimes like when you're in situations, it's like, obviously, well, I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but like your anxiety now is probably very different than what it was because you're like out of the situation, but now you're like dealing with the trauma of like what had happened. But in the moment, it's just like constant like panic and fear. Totally. Yeah. At least that's how I felt. So yes, no, I agree. I feel like I would just sit in my room and like cry and cry and cry and like literally just wanted to like die. And I'm like, I would rather just not even be here. Like, and that's where I feel like God really stepped in and like was a huge part of my life because he kept me, I feel like from literally like dying and kept me like, there's so many instances. I feel like things that happened that I was protected in and he, I felt like we had such a like strong relationship even now, but especially in that moment, because he, I had no one, I would be like, I feel like I would be like locked in my room with everything taken away when we get in trouble. And it's just like, I just felt so alone. And a lot of my friends didn't even know because I was too scared to tell because I wasn't allowed to tell. So he was like a huge part of my childhood. So did you and my story. grow up Mormon? Yeah. So I grew up LDS. Um, my parents were, but then soon after stopped being active. And so Um, when my parents got divorced, my dad was dating other girls and we were just kind of like whatever religion they were, like if they were, you know, Jewish, Catholic, whatever, like we would go to their church. So, which I'm also kind of glad I did that because I got to see other perspectives of other religions. And then I got to choose for my, yes. And I got to choose for myself what I believed in, what I wanted. And it helped me, I feel like be less judgmental of people and being like, everyone has their own beliefs and that's fine. And this is my belief and this is what I want to believe in. And I don't know. So it's like in that moment, I didn't like it. But now looking back, I'm like, I'm actually glad I went through that, you know, to like see other people's perspectives. Um, And so my grandparents, my my we don't talk. My dad doesn't talk to anyone in his family, so I don't know them at all. 
Um, but my mom's side of the family, we're still to this day, like super close to them, do Sunday dinners and they're awesome. And my grandparents, um, my grandpa actually passed away like a year and a half ago, which was like super sad. Cause I feel like my grandparents like helped raised me and make me who I am. They today. were like your second parents. Yes, for real. And so my, um, grandparents would show up at our house and they weren't like forceful at all. They're just like, if you want to come to church, we are here to take you. And we all would choose to go. And that's what kept us staying in the church. And I feel like me and my siblings relationship with the gospel is stronger now because we got to choose for ourselves. Absolutely. Like, I, I just hate those stories. Like when parents like force them to do this, force them. I'm like, you should let them choose for themselves because ultimately they'll be stronger choosing what they want, you know? So I feel like now I'm like undeniably like a member of the church because I went through so many experiences to prove to me that it was true. And now I just like can't deny it because I learned for myself. I didn't go off of other people's testimonies and beliefs. I had to learn it for myself. And so kind of getting back into that time frame. So in um, 2017, my mom passed away. Um, she never stopped abusing substances and she passed away from cirrhosis of the liver, which is when your liver like deteriorates basically because um, alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So she, um, I feel like drugs got too expensive and she lost her money. So she just was drinking alcohol like constantly, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and did you have a relationship with her? How old were you? And so I tried to, when I turned 18, I'm like, Oh, I get to have a relationship with my mom now. Let's try. And she was, I was having a relationship with an addict and not my mom. So it was really hard. Like we would go do things and then she'd be like, Oh, I forgot my wallet. Can you pay? And like do things like that or just use, I had a, I drove a truck back then, like use me to like haul stuff in my truck and like all this weird stuff. So I finally had to realize like, as much as I want to have a relationship with my mom, it's not healthy because I'm not, it's not her. It, the, the addiction has taken over. Like when you're dealing with an addict, if they offend you or hurt you in any way, it's, you have to like remind yourself to not be offended because it's not them who's doing it. It's the addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like completely different people. Oh when they're yeah. Addicted. Like totally. not, my yeah. mom was an amazing, amazing mom growing up. Like she was amazing. Like so it's just, it's crazy how like black and white, like she, it turned what, from what being like good. good memories. Do you remember of her? Like from being like, a, like a young I just kid. remember her being so patient and loving and like spending the time with us. Like you hear about like moms actually sitting on the floor and paying, playing with their kids. And like, she would, she was just a really good mom, like overall, just a really, really good mom. And, um, so when she passed away, she was in hospice care. So she was in the hospital and I was on a snowboarding trip with my husband and two of our friends. And I got a call from the hospital and I didn't know it was a random number to answer it. And they said, we have your mom here. We've done everything we can. And you're on you and your siblings are on her like emergency or decision list or whatever. And, um, we need to take her off of life support and put her in hospice care and just wait till she passes away. And you guys need to say that that's okay. And I was literally like answered on my, like my helmet has like these built in things and I'm snowboarding down the mountain and they're like telling me this shredding. and I'm literally just like bawling my eyes out on our two, another couple is there, our two friends. And I just like, I went down as fast as I could and got on the chairlift and all of them were like, what is happening? Cause I just like left them. And so I go on this chairlift and I just, it takes you up and then I snowboard as fast as I could cause our cabin is on the slope. So I snowboard as fast as I could and ran in and my friends and David were like, what's happening? Like what? And then we go in and I was just like bawling. And I like finally told them, I'm like, I have to make this decision that my mom is going like, to die. Yeah. And so I called my siblings and they, we all like agreed, like, we're going to say yes. Cause there's nothing really else that we can do. So we said, yes, I had one more day of my trip. I wasn't 
it's an eight hour drive and we drove with our friends. So I was just like, let's just wait till tomorrow. And they were saying like, she's probably not going to last long. So it was like really scary. Like she going to die before I get home, you know? So anyways, I got home and she lasted two weeks even after that without any food or water. She literally like deteriorated to like, she looked like a skeleton. Like she probably weighed like 60 pounds. She's 5'10 too. She's super tall. And um, wow. she was just laying there. Like she almost already looked like she was dead. Like she was laying there with like her mouth open and her eyes closed and didn't move at all. And no, like nothing. Like no, sometimes she would like, moan and make noises but that was it basically. like she was like in pain yeah probably and so I went I would I visited her in hospice care a few times and the last time I went obviously I didn't know she was gonna pass the next day but I went and I just felt so strongly like because I was holding this like kind of like sadness and anger towards her in a way for like leaving us with my dad when she knew like that it was an abusive household and I just felt like I needed to tell her, like, I forgive you for everything. And, like, I love you and it's okay. And you can let go. Because in my head I kept thinking, like, she's she's fight. They were just, like, shocked that she lasts that long. And I was like, she's fighting because she needs us to, like, forgive her, you know. And so I just, like, sat there and I held her hand. And I just told her, like, I was like, I love you so much and I forgive you for everything. And um, I'm so sorry that I was mad at you and, you know, I love you. I can't remember all the details I've said. And she squoze my hand. And it was just, like, shocking, like, because she hadn't moved at all. And she squoze my hand, and it just made me, like, she heard me. Like, it made me realize, like, she heard me, and she's okay, and she passed the next day. So it was just, like, that was, like, a really, like, amazing experience for me. And, and also to, like, know that before my mom died, she knew that I have forgiven her and that I love her. Because I feel like I would have always held that with me. And it would have been, like, pain all the time, like, knowing that she passed away and I never told her that I forgave her. Was know? that something that was really, really hard for you to do? Oh, for sure. I was, like, bawling. And do it you was feel like hard. you, like, forgave her, like, before that moment? Or in that moment, it was, like, overcome, like, you were overcome with, like, forgiveness for her? It was in that moment. Because up until then, I, I still was kind of, like, angry at her. And, like, you chose your addiction over us and da-da-da. Even though, like, I... Now I'm like, you can't really choose the addiction. The addiction just takes over and you're not really choosing. But in that moment or in those moments, that's how I was feeling. And so then I was kind of just like overcome with that feeling and a super strong impression, which I feel like was like from God too. Like you need to forgive her because I didn't know she was going to pass away that next day, you know? Um, so that was like a really sad, but amazing experience, you know? Do your siblings feel similar to you? Do they feel like were they able to forgive her? Do they feel, I mean, obviously I know you can't like necessarily speak for them, but yeah. do you guys feel like you're all like on the same page with things? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I, it's good that you guys like have each other to like yes. rely on. Yeah. Me and my time. siblings are super close. I love that's that. that's yeah. so good. Yeah. They're awesome. And what I was going to say is that being a member of the LDS church is like what got me through everything like in my childhood, as I mentioned before, and so I feel like when my mom passed away, that's like what got me through that as well, because I was just like, it was weird. It's not like if someone who was really close to their mom, like, and their mom passed away, it was a different feeling. It was weird. Cause like, I felt like we weren't like this mom and daughter, like You've super like close. You've like almost already grieved your yes. mom. Yes. Like when I was in school, anytime they call me the office, I was like, they're going to tell me my mom's dead. Like I would constantly think that like, when's my mom going to die? Like she's doing drugs and alcohol. Like they're telling me she's dead. So like in my head, I was almost like preparing for it. But then when it actually happens, it's like still so devastating and sad, you know? 
I just feel like it was just a crazy experience. And I feel like Heavenly Father like helped me get through that like a ton and helped me realize like how to forgive and how to love someone even though they are struggling themselves and hurting you, but they're not doing it on purpose. And it's cool that you can like see that perspective now that it's like over with, but for you to know that like those last words you said to her, like were to her mm-hmm. as like what you remember her to And be. I was like and, alone like, in the room with her too. Yeah. So it was like super special. It was just I like, like you and her and you could like, like you're okay. Like, yeah, you can, you can die and like, I forgive you and we can yeah. like maybe yeah. one day like yeah. fix that. And that's where I feel like too, the gospel is like, like I wouldn't have been able to get through that because now I, I feel like I have this huge like faith that I'm going to see her again and that she's going to be like her best self and I'm going to be able to like hug her again and see her again. And that's like what gets me through is like, I'm, we're going to be in heaven together. I'm going to be able to hug her again. And like, that's also what, like, I had a miscarriage before I had uh, my daughter, Nora, and that's what got me through that. I'm like, I'm finally going to be able to hold my baby in my arms when I get to heaven. Like there, this is what was supposed to happen. And I'm going to, I'm going to be able to, and I didn't even know the gender or anything. So I was just like, I'm going to, I think I was nine weeks. Like that's still part of who you are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I love having that like faith that there's something, there's something more and that it helps me get through grief a lot easier. I feel like you have like a good, a really good knowledge of like, and, and hope. I think hope more than anything that like, you know, that it's like going to be okay one day. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then there's this quote by Thomas S. Monson, um, that I wanted to share because I literally would like read it every single day when I was a kid. And it's just, I would like start my day with it cause it's what helped me. I feel like get through my really hard days. Um, it says there are times when we will experience heartbreaking sorrow, when we will grieve and when we may be tested to our limits. However, such difficulties allow us to change for the better, to rebuild our lives in the way our heavenly father teaches us and to become something different from what we were better than what we were more understanding than what we were more empathetic than what we were with stronger testimonies than what we had before. Um, so I feel like I always like had that in my head to remember, like I'm going through this because this is what I need to go through and I'm going to be stronger and I'm going to learn something from it. Like someday I'll be better. Yes. So that quote like really helped me like reiterate that to myself every day. Like I'm going through this for a reason. It's not just because God hates me and he wants to put me through all these horrible things. It's like, no, I need to go through this. You know, And what an amazing feeling it probably is to be like raising your children, like the way that you wish that you were raised. Oh, for sure. Like you learned so much about, what you didn't want to be mm-hmm. and then to who you get to be today, like yeah. that you have control over that. Like yeah. we were talking about before the podcast started, just how you like to like be in control of things. Like I feel like I'm like very similar to that. I like to be in control of things and just like coming from like a rough upbringing and not being able to be in control and have this life that you have now and like feel like you have control over like the mother that you are mm-hmm. and the friend that you are and the person that you are like that you learned so much from like your past and even though it sucked to go through in that moment, at least you have like this sunny outlook on the other side of like, now I know what I don't want to be. For sure. And it like literally made me like, I had to go through that stuff or I wouldn't be the person I am today. Like it has helped me be who I am and be able to set the boundaries that I have and do everything that I'm able to do today because of the things that I went through. Jumping into a quick ad break. Okay, now that we're moved in, we're back in town, everything is going so good. We've been trying to get back into a routine and get in the groove of cooking dinner again because it sucks when you move and you have no food in your house and takeout is so much easier when you've packed all your dishes. But 
it was getting so expensive to go out so much. So I was very, very excited to see my new every plate order that came this week. Okay, but literally how good were the meals this week? They were honestly amazing. They were so good. And not only is every plate a great way to eat affordably, it also tastes great too. With recipes like super smashed burgers, ponzu chili steak bowls, and creamy lemon herb chicken, you can find new favorites to make your regular dinner rotation. With every plate, you'll never get tired of the same old, same old. The recipes change every week, so you're always getting to try something new. Honestly, I'm like starving now listening to that. Yeah, let's go make one of your every plates. <laughs> I'm so hungry. Um, no, but it's really cool because every plate comes pre-portioned. Um, that way it helps you save on money and also reduce food waste. And it's cool because like even they'll have like a little packet of sour cream and instead of like a whole tub of it, they just give you like one packet of it. That's my toxic trait is that if I need one thing for a meal, I'll go buy the entire thing and then I won't use it again. And then it goes bad in my fridge like really soon. Exactly. Every place the best for that. Um, So you don't throw it out. So it's also 25% cheaper than grocery shopping for that reason. And you can also save time by avoiding grocery shopping which is the worst especially with kids especially with kids i was so nervous about trying the meal kits until i found out about every plate we got a special offer just for you guys get your first box for only 149 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code codependent 149 get started with every plate for just 149 per meal on your first box by going to everyplate.com and entering code codependent 149 Back to share our favorite children's vitamins with you guys. You know how much we absolutely love Haya. The other day I was laughing because Rossi saw the fun, bright, decorated bottle in the medicine cabinet and she wanted it so bad. So I'm excited for when she'll actually be able to take it because I think that she'll love it. Pierce will always get the bottle and shake it as hard as he can just to hear all of the the vitamins vitamins rattle. He can't take them either, but he loves to play with the bottle. And it is so much nicer to not force our kids to take them. Haya is actually the best because the kiddos are involved and they actually love to take them. It's so annoying to me because a lot of the other kids' vitamins have so much sugar in them. They're pretty much candy. Um, They have a bunch of unhealthy chemicals and other junk that our kids should probably never eat. They are chewable and pediatrician approved. They also taste great, which is perfect for picky eaters like Payson. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need with the yummy taste they love. Also, it's really cool because Haya has a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then they're supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support all the functions that our babies need. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so we moms and dads have one less thing to worry about. We have worked out another special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamins. Receive 50% off your order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash codependent. This deal is not available on their regular website or anywhere else, so go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash codependent and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults so that's kind of like the part about my childhood so then I kind of was thinking a good transition would be to go into like the marriage part of it yeah Yeah. that I wanted to talk to or talk about um so my husband David and I we've been married for almost seven years I was actually going to ask that yes were you married when your mom passed away I was going to ask next (laughs) yes yeah I was she we got married to meet her yeah, we got married in 2013. My mom died in 2017. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he didn't meet her that many times because I w- didn't really have a relationship with her. And she like, was always... Did she always, come to your wedding? Um, no, that's a really sad story, too. So I invited her, obviously, to my wedding. Yeah. She showed up to the temple, and you, you wait outside yeah. when the people come out. So 
so me and David come out and I see her like taking her shirt off her shoes are off she came there like completely high and drunk and my bridesmaids and stuff are like and like her family is trying to like control her and stuff in the pictures my dad had to like hold her up she was like falling down and it was just like it almost like ruined my day in a sense because I was like this is my special day and I'm just focusing on that my mom is drunk and trying to take her shirt off and her shoes off and in all the pictures yes and in all the pictures it's just like I don't even she looks so like sad in all of them because it's just like she was so like yeah I don't know she was sad yeah 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 and um so then after we got married in the temple we did a ring ceremony um and then we did a reception after that and obviously she was invited to all of that and she just never show, showed up to the rest of it was that almost like relieving yes because I knew she was drunk yeah so I was like if she sh- showed up to the other things she would still be drunk and because we went right into them right yeah. after the temple and she didn't even show up to my brother's wedding either like even at all, at all. she said she got like a flat tire or something who even knows yeah who even knows? I know who even knows <clears throat> so yeah we got married in 2013 we dated for like two and a half almost three years before we got married um, and then we got married in the LDS temple in Mesa. Um, and we agreed that that was the life that we wanted. And that's the life that we were going to have. My husband was raised, um, LDS, his, his whole family was LDS. And you um, love his family. Oh, they're amazing. I'm like obsessed with his family. That's- they're like, I feel like it's weird to say because I obviously loved, love David so much, but it's like, I almost married him half like because of him and half because I love his family. And totally. it's like, it's like almost the best case scenario yes like like they're your family now too yes. and like you can and I never had them. that exactly. so it's like seeing this like in my head perfect family and I'm like I want to be a part of this like they're amazing you know yeah. and even to this day they've helped so much like they're literally like incredible and I'm so it's close so cool. to like all of them that's like the best that, yes. I love that I love, I love so that much. I love them I'm like I needed a normal family totally like, you know yes you're like I couldn't marry somebody that also like, had like have not something family. like yeah. that wouldn't that's not gonna work for me yes I even like prefaced David that like when we were talking about marriage I'm like just so you know like you're not gonna have like the normal in-laws like you're not you gonna okay have that? Yeah. yeah and then he then like obviously he knew all the details and stuff so he was fine with it but you guys dated for I mean three years for a Mormon relationship is like very long we got asked all the time when we were getting married <laughs> and bet. like well, are you not getting married because you're having sex like people would ask like the weirdest questions I'm like okay you're being really personal like, like you don't have to ask all that so my husband is very like literally he takes a shower and I'm like okay we're in a big hurry you have to hurry it's like no shorter than 30 minutes like he, poops for like an hour he, like everything does he man. does is so slow and thought out like which is a good thing too like especially in his work like he's succeeded a ton in his work because he's he really thinks about things and thinks about like problem solving and knows how to do all that stuff um but when we're late for things it bugs me a ton (laughs) (laughs) yes but yeah so you had this when we were yeah so when we were dating I was want, ready to get married after like a year and he was just like, I just don't know yet. I just don't know. And he just could not like decide and could not. Cause I feel like people kind of think that you're going to just get this like huge sign. We're going to walk out in your grass and there's going to be like, yes, you should marry them. You know what? It's like, it's not like I realized you have to make that decision and follow through with it. And which is kind of scary because then you can have the feeling like that it's not right. wrong. Yeah, yeah. That it's wrong. But then you also could have like a super good feeling and like, okay, this is the right choice, you know, which ended up happening. Yeah. But yes, it took him like almost three years to ask me to marry him. And we, after two years, I said, I am done. Like we, you you were either getting married. Yes. I was like, we're either getting married or we're breaking up. And he's like, I just don't know. So I guess we have to break up. We both were like crying and did not want to do it. 
And so we break up for a month and then he like shows up at my house after a month and like with flowers and stuff. He's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I know I want to marry you. Like I just needed like that separation and all that. And I'm like, happens all the time. Yeah. I was like, David, if we're getting back together, you were proposing within like the next few months. Like Like, we're not doing this. Yes. I was like, we've already been together for almost three years. Like you either know where you don't. You've wasted so much of my prime. (laughs) But it's so funny because I was so young. So we got married when I was 21. We started dating when I was 18. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's like still so young. So it's still so young, but we had already dated for so long. So like, like, okay, you already know everything you're going to know. Like, you know who I am. Like, do you want this or do you not? And like, in a weird way, I felt like because of all the stuff I went through as a child, like I felt so, I always had felt like, not like in a conceited way, but I was always felt like I was like really mature for my age because I had gone through really like deep stuff that that not a lot of people go through. So like, I felt like it kind of like, I don't know. I mean, we always say that like people always assume Jamie's older than me because Uh. like, you had to grow up so much faster, yeah. you know, especially when we were younger. I don't feel like that people say that anymore, no. but I feel like when we were like in high school and stuff, like people would always say that you were older, but what is your guys' age difference? Nine months. Oh, so barely. Yeah. No, so like barely. literally barely. Yeah. yeah. I'm nine months older. Yeah. Than oh, so like okay. not even, but yeah. like you had to like raise your younger siblings at a young age that like you had to be mature and like you always had to be like older than you were, you yes. know? And so I, I feel like that's like very similar between you. My guys. sister always tells me like, stop trying to be my mom. Like she would say that <laughs> when I was younger and I'm like, but that was like my role. Like I felt like I had to be like the mom. Like I had, you to, had to literally had like, to be. cause boys are different. Like my brother was older than me, but they're just different. No, they're not like different. have that like mothering nature. No, literally. No. Yeah. You're like what? Yeah. yeah. And, but something that was like huge too, a part of it that I totally skipped over was Um, my dad hired us a nanny like right after my parents got divorced her name was crystal and we're still like best friends to this day like I literally was on the phone with her all the way to drive here and she is incredible she's I think 40 40 years old she has uh, twin boys they're six and she was there like from the second we woke up and she would her parents she was living at her parents house at the time she was really young when she started and they lived two doors down from us so she would stay with us till we went to bed and then come back in the morning so she was like I feel like my saving grace and like what helped me like get through a lot of stuff too you know to at least like if I literally had no one like it would have been a such different story but I feel like because of her and my mom's side of the family like my grandparents aunts and uncles were so like involved in my life that it helped me a ton too did those people know that you guys were being abused yes but they couldn't do anything about it I guess I'll just keep it at that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was was probably really hard hard from an outside perspective Mm -hmm. as well. Like feeling that, that like they couldn't do much. Yeah. But it was probably almost enough for you to feel like you, you had someone there at least love there. Like at least you guys weren't completely isolated and by yourself. Like, yes. Like grateful for like your mom's side of the family for being there and like picking you up to go to church every Mm -hmm. Sunday. For sure. They were like an incredible part of my life. So back to like when me and David um got married and we got married in the temple and I'm like such a planner like even when I was little I would write this like list and it said wake up number one wake up number two brush your teeth number three get dressed like all the things that you would just do but I just like wrote them down because I was like I had no control of my life like of in other parts but that part I could so I was like OCD in a way where I had to write a list every night and like um David's friends know about it and they always laugh at me and on our wedding night we get in the car and they wrote a list Abby's to do it literally was like number one unbutton Abby's dress I'm number dead. two and I was just like dying like laughing because they always like are laughing that, that I did that that is so cute <laughs> that's, really that's funny uh, yes but because I was such and still am such like a planner 
I had the vision of what my life was going to be. And I'm like, yep, we got me in a temple and this is what our life's going to be. And I was just so like oblivious, like people, things change. Like you have things that happen, you know? And so about a year ago, I was just, I don't even know, a few months pregnant with my daughter, Nora, who's now almost five months. Um, and my husband sat me down and told me that he wanted to take a step back from the LDS church. And it was like, devastating for me because that was our plan that's what you promised me that's what we're doing and I still want to be in it and now you're not going to be and I am and I just start spiraling you know like that's not what I signed up for yes and you promised me something and now you're not giving it to me you know and so it caused along with other things it caused a lot of marriage struggles for sure um so we started going to um marriage counseling which has been amazing we've been going for like a few months now um and it has been like almost life-changing like in the fact we're now like we're able to like navigate a split split faith marriage but not saying that it's it's easy or it's over like we are we're gonna probably go to marriage counseling like for a long long time you know and it's it's still it still sucks to me it's probably gonna suck my whole life but it's it just helped me kind of like realize his side and him helped realizing my side and how we can kind of support each other and still be a family and be in love, even though we have different faiths. Faith beliefs. Yes. Do you feel like, and maybe you don't have to answer this if it's too personal, but do you feel like the biggest thing that you work on there is like communication or do you more work on like, like religion and like how to navigate? Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. We talk about like other marriage issues and then we talk about religion too. So it just kind of depends on like, it's an hour session and we do it like every two weeks. So it just depends on like what we want to talk. He's like, he, I love him. He's amazing. If anyone needs counselor, Matt Wheeler, shout out to him. (laughs) Shout out. Um, But he answers. So we've been doing zoom recently. We we were doing it in person, but it's always like in the middle of the day and it's hard to find a babysitter for both our kids. So we've just been doing on zoom and having our kids go down for a nap and like timing it perfectly. So he'll answer and say, what can I do for you today? What can I help you with today? And so like, you're the one who says it and, and like starts it. So we just kind of either start it like, we want to focus on this happened this week. So we want to focus on that, or we still want to focus on the religion part of it, you know? So yeah, I just, I just don't want to be like fake. I want people to know, like we are still struggling and it's probably always going to be a struggle. We're just learning now. Like I've just realized like if it's, he's a good husband and a good father and our standards align and what we want for our life, then, then that's okay. Then, and we can still navigate. Is your therapist LDS? He is. Yeah. Okay. Does that bug your husband? No, not at all. Okay. He's still, his whole family's basically LDS. Like he's still support. And so is my mom's side of the family. He's supportive of anyone. He won't tell me anything of why he doesn't believe because he says you're very easily persuaded, especially by me. So I do not want to tell you anything because I want you to believe what you want to believe. And he's so supportive. Like, and if you ever have questions, like you can choose to ask him at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than him, like put it on you. Yes. And he's like, if you want to ask me specifics, obviously I'll tell you, I just don't want to like tell you all these things. And then you start like second guessing. Cause I know you believe so strongly and it's like a huge part of you. So I don't want to ever like talk you out of it. And literally like last week I went to the temple and he watched the kids and he comes to church with us every Sunday and supports me in that. And still like, it's just still so supportive of what I want. So I feel like I needed to realize like he's going through just as a hard thing. It's just different because he's, real coming to this realization of that he feels like he's kind of been faking it in a sense his whole life and now he's finally realizing like okay I'm 30 I want to be who I want to be and I want to be truthful so it's me kind of supporting him now um in what he's believing and what he's navigating and then him still supporting me in what I believe do you ever feel like you'll get to a point of you being like 
okay to go alone or like doing that alone without like the church yeah I don't know because I feel like I don't know like what the future holds but it's like he's never I he doesn't come to church with me because I ask him to and say like you have to because you have to help me he comes because he knows like that it just benefits me yeah and like it would just be almost impossible to take both of our kids like you know so I don't know he's just and like we teach in the um primary and he will still switch off every other week so I don't have to do it every week and like teach a lesson and stuff amazing and like he still believes in like all the basic stuff it's just like the the deep stuff that it's hard for him to like grasp his mind around because he's so like logical for sure do you Um, think the biggest like one of the hardest parts for you was feeling like you had this map outline of your life to not be like your parents mm -hmm. and then him wanting to leave the church like your thoughts automatically were brought back triggered me we're gonna just be we're gonna live the same exact life because if you're not mormon you're at the other end you're gonna do drugs and drink yes so how have you navigated that mindset of switching from that to where you are now like what's been the biggest switch to you that like you realize just because he's not a member of the church doesn't mean he's going to do cocaine reassurance from him um us sitting down and saying what we want in our life and he him telling me like those things aren't anything that I ever think about and not anything that I want to do so him just kind of reassuring me and us being like open open and honest with each other and helping each other like be on the same page of like how the other person is thinking so no one's like in the dark do you feel like you felt like you were in the dark because he's been questioning it for so long yeah because he said he's basically felt like this forever and then now he's just bring up like some trust issues for you too like on top of just the faith transition and having to go to church not by yourself with him there but you know like navigating this whole new like lifestyle of being like in the church by yourself you also are like, why didn't you tell me seven years ago when we first got married? Like, yeah. where was all this? Has he been questioning for like your whole marriage, you feel like? Um, yeah, even before that, like even on his mission and stuff. So it's definitely something we talk about in marriage counseling. And um, our counselor like helped us to realize like, or helped David, I feel like to realize like you have to realize like this, you kind of blindsided Abby and it causes trust issues now because you, she feels lied to like the whole relationship you know so yeah. what advice would you give to somebody in David's shoes that is having this these doubts in their head about their religion but are too scared to say it like do you feel like if he would have told you what he was feeling you wouldn't have gotten married to him I like, feel is like that what he was thinking in his head that's what he said yeah because he was like I didn't I didn't want to lose you like that's what you wanted and we were already like far into it and so I was just gonna do that and I was just gonna kind of like do whatever like the rest of my life and just kind of do that you know so fake would, it in a yeah, sense what would be your advice for him in that moment um it's so hard to say because it's yeah. like hurt me so much and you're but, like still and I'm still going, going through, through it. it but I would say to say it and to be honest and if you're struggling to be open to whoever like if you're younger your parents if you're married your spouse be open about it because it's only hurting you and your family and it's not doing any benefit just like faking it because I feel like it almost put David in like a bad place too like he felt like he was hiding this thing and then it made him like I don't even know like it's like he can't trust you but now you can't trust him yeah it's like very like, like muddy yeah so it just caused like other issues like when you're hiding this secret for so long that you kind of feel like is a secret and you you feel like you could never say it and then you finally do he said it felt like like a car was like lifted like a, a weight was lifted off of him like 
that he felt like he can like breathe now, but he said it just sucks because I know how bad it's affecting you. But yeah, I guess my advice would be as hard as it is to say it, to just be open and say it because you're hurting the other people around you more if you keep it in rather than just saying it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like nowadays our religion, the LDS community is so much more understanding and less judgmental and we've evolved a ton like in our culture. Um, And so I feel like people shouldn't be like scared to share it. Like if it was back in the day, like no one talked about that. Like people didn't, you know, it was more, any religion was just more like black and white. And now Mm -hmm. it's like coming where we're just more like accepting and, you know, new knowledge is coming about. Yeah. I also think it's so important for people like you to like speak up about these things because there could be somebody struggling with the exact same thing, but it wasn't talked about 10 years ago. You know what I mean? And so it's so important. Like, I don't know, for instance, I'm thinking of like my grandma, like she was older, but she got divorced when they were older. Mm -hmm. Like we were like teenagers when they got the, when they got divorced, like forever. And like she would go to church, but like, I remember her like saying things like, like, I don't know, like almost hiding that he wasn't going to church anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it was almost like a secret. So you like, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden my grandpa's like back at church and he's like an active member again. And it was like confusing because like we didn't know what goes, what what was going on. Now we know what was going on. That he was just questioning it for a little bit and then ended up coming back to the church. But it's so hard for those people because then they feel alone. Oh like yeah, they feel, like and they feel the judged. Only, and, exactly, yeah. but if we can open up the conversation to have these conversations, like I just think these conversations are so important to have that mm-hmm. everybody else is feeling the same way. Like everybody has questions. Like, oh, for sure. You're allowed to have questions. You're allowed yeah. to be. You're allowed to not know the answer to things, and like that's okay. Like it's it's okay to be like that, and it's yeah, it's well, important. And I think that something we've talked about too is having a mindset of like, I don't know, to be okay with like where David's at right now and like he's like you said like he's going through something really really hard to like his whole life he's been this person or like trying to be this person and like he realized he's not that person or like he is questioning it and like to let him like also go through his journey and like I don't know I guess I think that it's really hard to like to let that happen but then also not be like to be understanding but not be like okay like your condition is you have to like come back or like one day the goal is to come back, which like, even if that is the goal, like that's totally good. And that's fine. If that's your path. That's if, your path. If that's your path. But I don't know. I think it's, I, I disagree that it's so good that we can talk about it and it not be like, I like, am going to make you come back. Like I'm just here with you and we're both navigating something like yeah. really, really hard. And I feel like that's how I cut my mindset was in the first, like at first, like, okay, like, I'm gonna, like, what can I do? What, like, trying to, like, make him, and I'm like, I can't, what am I doing? Like, like here's a scripture to, I read. Like, do you like this yeah, scripture? Like, like, is this good? Everyone has to think for themselves, and he has to make that decision on his own, and so I've actually, like, told myself that he's never gonna come back so that I don't have, like, this hope, hope and expectation from him, and that if he does never come back, then I will be okay. I mean, obviously, it's still gonna be hard, for sure. but that I will be more okay with it than just sitting here being like, he's coming back, he's gonna come back, you know, and like always thinking that and yeah. then being let down. Like the missionaries are coming over today. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like trying like yes. so hard. That yeah. I think I, that. Yeah, I think like nobody wakes up and is like, I'm gonna leave the Mormon church today. Like leaving the Mormon church is not easy. Oh, like, no. Leaving any religion. Leaving any, no. yeah, yeah. That's so true. Leaving any religion, like it's what you know, it's what you grew up knowing. Like, it is not an easy decision to leave the church. And I think that we also need to honor and respect the decision that people make because you know it was not a decision that they made overnight. And, and so instead of judging them and like automatically being like, well, now they're anti-Mormon. Now they're this, now they're that. They don't believe in God. They are a horrible person. Like all these different things. Like 
instead of thinking that, just being like, that was such a hard decision. And you know, most of those decisions are made with like a long amount of time and how much anxiety was caused and how much stress was caused. And I mean, automatically, like my first instinct would be like to think about myself. Like that sounds horrible, but like, I'd be like, how does that affect me? Mm -hmm. But in reality, like you've been living with this and like, I wish so bad that like I could have been there like through all these feelings. Yeah. But like, not I don't think there's probably any good way. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. In that moment, like, Oh, I'm kind of questioning it. And then like you said, like you still be upset. And then then you're spiraling of like, why are you questioning? Like, what do we do? And yeah. So it's like, yeah, I think the high, like the most important thing is to be like empathetic to each other's feelings because mm-hmm. you're both going through something and For it's sure. something that's so hard and something that wasn't anticipated by either of you. And that's what I had to learn because I feel like I was so like, you're ruining my life. You're changing everything. And this is affecting me so much. And I had to learn like, he's going through something different, but just as hard, you know? And we had met with our Bishop afterwards. Cause I was like, can we, do-? he's like, so cool. He's like literally the best Bishop in the whole world. He's, he's been through his amount of stuff and you know gotten through it and now he's our bishop and he's like just a few years older than me like he's he's so cool and um we met with him and so David was kind of telling him how he feels and he was so non-judgmental at all and he told David he respected him for actually saying it he said I bet you so many people feel the same way and they're just never gonna say it like in any religion like they have questions and they just never say it because they're too scared to say something I'm so glad that I'm just like respect you so much for saying it and like trying to like work through those feelings. And he said, if you still want to teach primary, if you still want to do this, if you still want to do this, do whatever makes you comfortable. And that is fine by me. That's like, like what we need oh, in the church. Yes. Like that I, is all bishops so need cool. to be like that. That is amazing. Yes. He's like, he's just so incredible. That is like another like, however, like God sent for you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. he has been, oh, totally. God like put him like I feel like we didn't really know him that well until like all of this and it's like he was totally in our life for a reason he's supposed to be the bishop right now like for us it takes that moment of like you don't know somebody but to like break past that of Mm -hmm. like we just have to tell you this because like this just is what it is and now he's like such an important part of your story Mm -hmm. now yeah he's incredible so obviously you guys are still going through this together and navigating what life looks like and obviously that's still to this day but like, where are you now? Like, what, what does life look like for you now? Okay, so we still struggle to this day, and we probably always will struggle because it's just a huge, you know, thing in our marriage, but we just now know how to, like, navigate it better, but we're going to continue to go to counseling and continue to learn how to navigate a split-faith marriage and um, still have a good marriage, you know, within that. Um, so what about, like, your, like, anxiety and your mental health? Like, yeah. How, how is that journey today? So it all stemmed from like my childhood as I said um and so it's still I feel like just recently I realized like oh I actually probably have anxiety and I need help and I it was like triggering me and things in the marriage like if David would raise his voice at all I literally was like a five-year-old and I would plug my ears and be like I can't hear you I can't hear you like I it it reverted right back to oh it triggers me like crazy and like if anyone like cusses not just like casually cussing but if I hear someone like like tearing someone down cussing I am just like so triggered like there's just a lot of things that like trigger me now and I'm like okay maybe that's not normal and I was so worried about random things like I would be like okay so we're laying in bed and I'm like okay so David if someone comes in the window and they put like a gun to my head and they say don't say anything or I'll shoot you do I kick you under the sheets do I say anything and he's just like what are you talking about why are you saying yeah I'm like these are just all the thoughts I have in mind it would take me like hours to fall asleep because I'm just sitting there like worrying about everything about everything I said that day to someone or I did you know it's just like had all this anxiety about everything and then I finally had to realize like 
that's not normal. Like intrusive thoughts are like, if they like come and pass, like that's okay. But like when they're overcoming like who you are and like, and not like even not like sleeping. who you are, but yeah, you're not sleeping yes. and you're like, did it get worse with kids? Oh, for sure. Because I w- was like, okay, so if you're gone, when you're out of town, like his gun is in his nightstand and I literally, I don't even care. I'm going to grab the gun. And if someone's walking towards our kids room, I'm going to shoot them. I don't even care. I'm going to shoot them. And I'm just like, so like panicked yeah. about protecting them and I still am like this mama bear today where I just want to protect them and um I feel like that has been a huge part of my anxiety with um, my dad because I get triggered by a lot of the things that was in our childhood and then him being around my kids kind of brings back that trauma um like not like he's doing those things he did to us to my kids but it just brings that back and of I just I just so I had to like, like you set. can't see him in a different light because that's what you know him as. But even it's like weird because I feel like I have forgiven him. But I also like just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you have to be best friends and totally to think that they are great and you agree with all their decisions. Yeah. Like I mean, you can still set boundaries. We've talked about this before, too. Like I've been in the same room as like my abuser from yeah. the past. And like I was OK for literally 10 years. Like I could go in every room and. If he was there, I'd be fine. 100% was totally fine. But as soon as Payson was born, it was in the same room. Like It's way different. That was probably the most triggering moment for me. Yep. Like I had been to therapy. I've gone over it. I've moved on. And then this door opened of like, that's my child. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I knew nothing was going to happen. Like I knew that logically that wasn't what But was you happen. will do anything to protect your kids from what happened to you. Exactly. And yeah. it just, it brings up so many new emotions. And I think that we've talked about this so many times, but going through something as a child and then getting over it and moving forward and like getting this life that you've always dreamed of, there's always going to be new doors. That it open. comes back. There's yeah. always going to be new, new doors. triggers. And that's why it's so important to be in therapy and to be mm-hmm. like learning coping mechanisms for when these triggers happen. For sure. They will happen. It's not like if it's when, it's when. And, and so, so I, I feel like that's what made me realize like that I, what I forgave him, but I wasn't really like over it yeah. because yeah. I was getting my anxiety. Like I literally felt like I was having a panic attack every time he was around, like my heart would beat so fast and I would be so panicked and just have so much anxiety when he was around my kids. And I was like, okay, I probably need to finally work through my childhood trauma because I've never done that. We've just gone to marriage counseling. So I actually started seeing a trauma therapist and I've seen her probably for a month now and we, we do it weekly and it has already been like a night and day difference, like helped me set up boundaries and, um, have my dad have respect for my boundaries and just kind of navigating that because it's a whole new world. Like I didn't know that that was possible. You know, I just thought I had to like go along with it yeah because that's what my life was you know and so trauma therapy is like amazing like amazing I love it so much and it's made like a world of the difference with the relationship with my dad um and but like it's not like it's all better like you have to still continue to work on yourself and take care of yourself like I'm on medication now for anxiety I see a trauma therapist weekly like I'm still struggling and things still trigger my anxiety like just the other day my um, son, who's almost three, he's just like anyone that like is around him for like five seconds. They're like, wow, he has a lot of energy. And I'm like, yeah, like he just like <laughs> yeah. literally like, that was a really nice way to put yes, it. Yes. Like he literally can't hold to like his teacher in school. I'm like, how do you do? Like on the first day, she's like, um, good. He just needs a lot of reminders. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes he, does. he just like never, ever stops. So the other day, literally just a few days ago, my husband was golfing. So I was there by myself. Um, we have two 
um, we have childhood childproof things on every square inch of our house because he know and he knows how to break into all of them. And so the, the front door and the back door have a top lock and one on the handle. And he has learned to do all of them or he'll do the handle one and then he'll pull it so hard and the other one just breaks off. And he, so it was that day I was, I think I was feeding Nora, my, my baby and Cohen broke open the door and he just runs down the street and I'm like feeding Nora. So then I just like leave her and then she's crying. Cause it's like in the middle of her bottle and I'm like running down. My husband's not here. And he was like ringing these people's doorbells like a ton of times. And then he's running, running, running. Anyways, I finally get him to come back. He did it like five more times when I like, wasn't like literally trying to take care of Nora, did it five more times. And I came back and I tried everything. Like I tried like time out. I tried talking to him nicely. Like, t- like literally I felt like I tried everything I possibly could do. And then I kind of just like, there's nothing else I can do. So I just sat in front of the front door and just sat there on the ground blocking it. And David wasn't even going to be home for like a few more hours. I'm like, great, I'm gonna have to sit here forever. And I just sat there and then he started getting mad at me because I wasn't letting him out the door. So he was like chucking his scooter at me and his basketball and all his big toys screaming and chucking them at me. And I was literally in there in a ball, like in a fetal position, like covering my head. And he's just chucking things at me and I'm just bawling my eyes out. And my anxiety was immediately like triggered where you get to this point where you're like, all I can do is sit there. All I can do, you can't It's like your fight or fight and you're just like stuck. Yeah, you can't, like when you have anxiety, like you almost feel like, yeah, it's stuck. Like you can't do anything else. And that's just how I felt like I was just so triggered at the moment. And I just sat there when he just like chucked things at me and I was just blowing my eyes out. And so it's like, I just want people to know, like, it's not better. Like it's not just like rainbows and butterflies now. Like you have to still work on it and things can still trigger you. But it's, that's why I love my trauma therapist, like learning how to react in those situations that trigger you. And, um, all the medic, like not all the medication. I'm on one medication. I'm like, all the medication. <laughs> anything in my reading. hundreds. Of med- no, one medication has. I felt like I was always so against it. Like the psychiatrist I went to for it, I literally told him like 800 times. He's probably so annoying me. I'm like, I can't take anything. I have addict- addictive genes in my family. I can't take anything. I will get addicted, and you can't give me a thing. And he's just like, Abby, calm down. Like the thing I'm gonna give you is the lowest dose. No one's ever gotten addicted to it. Like you're fine. And so that's what I started like, no, taking. No, no, no. I know I was so like panicked about you it. You cut it into fourths. I know, <laughs> seriously. But it has like helped so much. Like that's it's amazing. been, it's been crazy. Um, so yeah, I guess to like sum up the stuff about anxiety is like, I feel like so many people struggle with anxiety, but it's, it's starting to get talked about more now. Um, but I feel like people are like kind of nervous to talk about, at least I am because I felt like people would think that something's wrong with me mm-hmm. or that I wasn't like stable enough to like help with their kids or do this or whatever you know um but it's not just something that like goes away you continuously need to like work on it and and help take care of yourself and help but you can get a hold on it but just know that you like need to keep helping yourself to get that hold on it especially as a mom yes totally because your kids are going to trigger you like all day every day um so then leading into like setting boundaries um my trauma therapist has helped a ton to teach me how to set boundaries especially with my dad um all my childhood trauma like I said before was kind of like rushed back when I had my kids and like he was around my kids so my husband and I decided to set boundaries um between my dad and my family and it's made like a crazy difference in just my anxiety and how I like react to things Um, and so I just want people to know, like you, 
even no matter what people tell you, like you are allowed to set boundaries for yourself. You, you need to respect yourself enough to set boundaries so that you can have a healthy relationship with whoever you're needing to set those boundaries with. Um, was it hard to set Oh, them? so hard. Because most of the time when you set boundaries, people don't like respect them right mm-hmm. away because they don't understand. They're like, why is this happening? You know? But I mean, you just have to be As so, you, stick to it. you have to be so persistent and you can't let anyone talk you out of it. And you have to say this note, just firm in your decision. This is what I'm choosing. I'm choosing that you will not, not be allowed to be alone with our kids unless me and David are there. Um, and just be so firm in your, your boundaries and your decisions. And you are a hundred percent like allowed to set those boundaries yep. and you should like, and it can be something so simple like, yes. or something as far out as you're not allowed to see my kids. Yes. Ever, yeah. You know? Or it can be, it can that, be anything or like maybe just like stop texting me like, all, like throughout the week, like I'll let you know when I want to talk to you or being like, able to say no to things. Yes. Too. Yeah. I feel like that's a huge one. People feel pressure to say yes. And it's like, you can say no. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially you know? when you're overwhelmed and when you're anxious oh, and yes. when you're having like, and I think also on the other end of that, as like, just as like the fully other end, you need to be okay to respect other people's boundaries. Like, For sure. If your friend is very overwhelmed, you know, and you feel like you're overwhelming them or they're in this position where they are kind of putting up their walls or setting boundaries, like you kind of have to respect that even if you don't want to. Like, yeah. I don't know, I found like on the end of that sometimes, like it's also hard. Like, even especially when you love someone and they like need boundaries because they are feeling anxious or whatever, like giving them space and like for sure allowing them to have a minute for themselves. Like I think that's also very important for sure. And sometimes I feel like that person that you're talking about, like doesn't know what's happening and they might not know all the details. So I also feel like the other person that wants to set those boundaries, it's good to like be open and honest, like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this, this, and this right now. Um, can, you know, can I just have a break for a little bit? Can we like revisit, re- this. revisit this later? Like being like honest with people. Cause I feel like people are too scared to like share trials and things they're going through. But it's like, if you just be vulnerable and share it, that person can understand it more. And they're more likely to respect your boundaries when they that. know what's going I on. That. I love that. Yeah. Like communicate, communicate, communicate. Yeah. Like, period. Yeah. Like, that's literally all that you like, need it's to not do. just you work on communication, in your marriage. It's like in all your relationships. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, there's been, I, even for us, like even with our friends, like, like, a, like two weeks ago, we were feeling so overwhelmed with like Adobe lane and then codependent and like life and kids and mm-hmm. self. And like, I would take three days to text someone back. Like I just, I couldn't, I yeah. couldn't add something to my plate. And I would end up feeling like horrible and I'd be like sending out all these texts about how sorry I was that I was so MIA and this and that. And like, if I would have just sent a text like immediately and been like, I'm so overwhelmed right now. I have so much going on. I'm going to reach back out to you. I promise. But like, I can't get together for a few weeks, you know, like, yeah. And instead I was like so anxious about it for like those like week or week and a half that I was like, all I was thinking about was, oh my gosh, I forgot to text this person back. I'm so behind on everything. And like, my friends are going to be so mad at me. And of course, like my friends that are true friends, like, we're like, you're fine. Understood. What can I do for you? And it almost would have probably made you less stressed about 100%. it if you would have told them. And then you're like, okay, now I don't have to worry about and them being mad at me. And then in a couple weeks, I can reach back out and be yes. like, hey, sorry I was so busy. Let's grab dinner. And know that yes. my friends aren't going to be upset with me because for of it. Sure. You for know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Like, totally. Just like being able to just communicate <clears throat> yeah. is so huge. And setting boundaries for yourself and then also respecting other people's boundaries. For sure. I agree 100%. 
Um, no, you're fine. <laughs> that was perfect. It went perfectly with it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so then the last kind of section I wanted to like touch on was running a business um, while having kids. And you guys know that all too well because you just like launched Adobe Lane. Um, so One weekend. What? <laughs> One weekend. Yeah, but the people don't see in the background that you've been working on this for exactly. a year. Probably, yeah. not you know, the launch. It's no, not, this came about no. one week ago. It's it almost feels like relief to me. It was almost relieving when we got to launch it. It was so yes. much more work before yes. because I was like, it's so much prep that no one knows about. But now it's like they can see all the hard and work you put in. Also, you're like, am I gonna even sell a yes. single thing? Yes. So then you're worried about that on top yes. of how much work and energy and time and money you've put into this. Like totally. now you're like, Oh frick. Yeah. And now I have to sell everything. Like sure. that's a whole nother beast. The whole money thing is what's so stressful. Cause you have to put so much money into lines. So much money. You guys. So <laughs> much money. Like no one has any idea unless they've done it. Literally. And it's so scary. Cause you're like betting your life savings on this thing. And then it's like, so what Abby if it doesn't owns happen? Roco Swim. I oh. guess we should talk about say okay, that. Yeah. So I own a kid's swimmer company called Roco Swim. You've probably seen Payson wear it. <laughs> yes, Payson has some. I need to get some. Why for your Roco? Kids. Why why the name? So you probably get asked. Funny that enough, we I know. And people always call it Rocco when they read it. Oh, I always Roco. knew it was Roco. Really? Called, I oh, thought great. your last name was Lynn Bloom, though. Lynn Blom. Lynn Blom. I, that was the, the very first thing. I Every time people say that, name. I'm like, but it's not B-L-O-O-M. It's B-L-O-M. I would have 100% said there was two O's in your name. <laughs> Me too. That's so... Wait, right when you said that, I was like... <laughs> Me too. Okay, I'll Literally, do I that almost again. said it, but then you were like going into like serious, and I was like, oh, oh. Lynn Blom. Oh, Lynn Blom. At least I know it's, it's Roco. <laughs> Are you sure yes. there's not two O's? I'm sure. It literally, like yeah. when I first got married, I was like so annoying, because every time I had to make a point, I was like, Lynn Blom, how do you spell that? And I'm like... L-I-N as in Nancy, D as in dog, B as in, because all those letters that mixed up, they're oh, right in a row. That's literally my, both my names. Yeah. Jamie is spelled differently with yes. two E's and my last name Folsom. Always F as in Frank, O, L, S as in Sam, O, yep. M as in Mary. I'm like, so annoying. I can't do it's this so anymore. <laughs> Dead. Um, anyway, back to Abby. <laughs> yeah. So I own a kid swimmer company called Roco Swim. Um, and I love it so much. Like it's my passion, but that doesn't mean that it's just easy. Like I feel like people don't see the background of what goes into running a business, especially totally. it's, this is our fourth, um, year being open. Oh my God. And I feel like people don't see what goes behind and what, who's actually doing what, like I literally run everything by myself. My husband has just recently four years in I know it's without crazy. help. I know. Oh, I wait, I forgot to talk about why it's called Roco. Sorry. Yes. I just yeah, skipped yeah. over that question. Um, so I actually started the business with my friend Maddie and, um, I bought her out a year into it. Um, she just didn't have the time for it. And so her son's name is Roland and my son's name is Cohen. Cohen. So we did Roco and oh, I, I only had Cohen at the time. Yes. Um, so yeah, we did Roco and our whole point was like, we were trying to find cute swimsuits for our boys Wait, and they yes. were all like baggy board shirts with like dinosaurs on them and You're we're like, like no and then the I ones that like <laughs> well i know me no, too but like you know like they're all bad the cheesy dinosaurs no, yeah. no, not the not cute, cute dinosaurs, dinosaurs. No, yes. they're, yeah yeah and um so we were like we should just start our own kind of like joking and we're like wait no we really should wait, that, was, that was a good thought <laughs> and so but then we're like but we need to do girls too because it can't just be exclusive to just yes. boys so we were like okay let's let's do it let's yeah, let's you know, go. let's start it. So then a year into it, I bought her out and then I owned it by myself since then. So I've owned it by myself for th almost three years now. Um, so now you to call it like NoCo. I know, but I still love the name and it's who I we are. And, I, I love and I'm and i still super good Nora, friends with Maddie so too. So like, yeah. yeah, like we're still super good friends. It's not like something bad happened, no, you know, totally. like we still hang out to this day and it's totally fine. 
But um, is she always like, dang it? No, her life is just so busy. Good. Yeah. She has three kids and she's just she can just be excited for you. Yeah. No, she's so sweet. Yeah. Um, and sorry, my eyelashes are like driving me nuts. They keep poking me in the freaking eyes. Anyone who has lashes, like will understand you're just driving and one's jabbing you in the eyeball and you're like, what is happening? But then you're like, I don't want to get it taken off because it just helps my day go better. (laughs) You like convince yourself like of these stupid reasons. Alicia, our best friend, (laughs) she has eyelash extensions and when she gets them taken off, she's like, I'm literally a naked mole rat. Yes, you you feel like you're bald or something. (laughs) So they're all probably messed up right now, but I have extensions too. All the things. Things. But I did hair for like eight years, so I'm like, oh. I have to have extensions. Oh, yeah. I feel like I get it. <laughs> I didn't do hair for eight years, and I still have to have Well, yeah. No, it just makes you feel like better about yourself. And when you're tan, I put my robe on tan, you feel better. Like, like all these I'm things. all these things. Come on. <laughs> David's like, why are you putting your tan on? Just lay out in the sun for five minutes every day, and you'll be tan. I'm like, I don't even have that time to do, do that. I, I know have five I, I would be sunburned because my <laughs> my skin I'm, just I'm not burns. getting wrinkles. Yes. <laughs> get it right. So I'm like, sorry, I'm rubbing on my tan again. <laughs> Anyways, okay, tangent. So, um... Okay, back to Roko. So that's what the name came from. Then, um, yeah, I was just saying how I love it so much and it's my passion, but it doesn't mean that it's just easy. Easy. Like people see the Instagram and the website and that you're getting sales and they're just like, wow, like they must be doing so great. It's just awesome. Like I want to start a business. It must be so easy. Like I'm going to do this. And it's like no one who's who hasn't started like a business like that doesn't understand like all the time and effort that gets put into it. So I literally run every single thing by myself like – I do the orders I do. We just actually hired a marketing person. I forgot to say that. We have a marketing person. That's amazing. Hey, yes. That's a huge step. Yes. It was so nice because I was like trying to do all the ads by myself and yeah. probably messing them up. Um, <laughs> and and he like has gotten us like crazy sales since he's doing it, even just from like a month ago. That's oh amazing. So I'm like, okay, hey, I clearly was doing this wrong. Yes. You're like, <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yes. Um, and so I guess I do kind of, I mean, he's not like my employee, like, but anyways, but yeah, you yeah I have that. someone, yes. but I do everything else. Like yeah. I do all the marketing in the sense of like posting on Instagram, all the, yes. all the orders, emails, everything. My husband just recently stepped in as like helping with the business part of it because I have That's no so idea nice. how to run business stuff yeah. and don't know numbers and stuff. He's like, so how many sales did you get in this and what was the number and like how much inventory do you have left in this I'm like I don't know I'll just look on Shopify and I'll figure it out like I'm just like like, I don't just keep these things in my brain because I have way too much other things to think about yeah um so our huge shipment this was like triple the amount from last year because for some reason like last year this year we grew like exponentially like so so this year we were like okay, we need to do like a way big, bigger shipment. And this was the first year we actually switched to a manufacturer. Last year we, we were with a local seamstress, which was, she was also super awesome. She like sewed for Quicksilver and Roxy and was super awesome and everything, but she could only do small runs because it was just her. It's too much work. Yeah. yeah. So we um, found this manufacturer who's amazing and um, their quality was like the best quality literally ever. Like the girl who used to do it, like looked over it and she's like, this is better than any quality I've ever seen in any store. That's so So awesome. I felt like super confident in like using them and everything. So anyways, our huge, huge shipment, like boxes piled up, like crazy amounts, got delivered to our doorstep two days after I got home from delivering my baby and I had a C-section. And C-section is like super, I know that vaginal delivery is super hard too, but like you can't even lift your baby oh, when you yeah. have a C-section, yeah. you know? Um, they literally cut your ab muscles. So Yeah, and yeah. I thought it was just like one cut and they take the baby out. It's like seven layers. Seven. Like I had no idea. Oh. And I even had a I had an emergency C-section with Cohen. Oh, so then this do. one was a planned one. Yeah. 
but the first one it's like I had no idea what's happening you yes. know and you just get rushed into it after you're like yep. laboring already you know so it's just oh. like traumatizing but anyway so it gets there and it's like most people just don't see this side of it they're just like oh I want the swimsuit to release them and it's like I just had the c-section my season I already was starting late because COVID put back my manufacturer because mm-hmm. their whole like plant got shut down and so it put us like a month back. We were supposed to get them in like February and they got delivered in April. Oh my gosh. And um, so they all, they deliver and I'm just like, I have no choice. I literally was at a photo shoot for all of them one week postpartum of a C-section. Whoa. And I, my scar was still completely like Maybe. not even healed yeah. and everything, you know. And um, I was running around like doing all the stuff for the photo shoot, like at an outside photo shoot, like doing all of that one week. I was loading the boxes. I was, I was t- like, I even, t- I take like my own inventory pictures, but then I also have a photographer do them too. So I was doing literally everything, like counting all the inventory, putting it in the website, getting all ready for a launch, like the day after I had, well, I got home from having a C-section. So it's just like, people don't see that part of it. They just want the product, but they don't see like what goes into it. And that's why I feel like I'm so like such a firm believer on like shopping small because I actually personally know what goes into shopping mm-hmm. small. And like you're supporting a mom, a family, like it's not just like a big corporation, corporation. like Amazon like or something. Having like Roco has been like, like healing for you almost like it lets me like let out my creative like that. passion because yeah. I actually designed the prints in the swimsuit. So like you can't find them anywhere else. Like they're That's exclusive so to Roco. Cool. And so I feel like it's like letting out my creativity like and kind of like goes along with how I did hair for eight years. And like I get to be creative again and let and have that outlet, you know. I so I, I do love it. And it's like as much as it is stressful, I still like would, love it so much. You would so still much. choose to do it. Yes. Like yes. I still love it so much. And um. I don't know if you guys have heard of Jody Moore, um, but she is amazing and has so much good insight about like any topic you can think about. And I went to one of her seminars in Utah. When was it? A few months ago. And I was at this point where I was so overwhelmed with having a newborn and a toddler and running a business in our peak season and just so stressed out that I almost like wanted to like give up. And I was like, Hey, I'm just going to sell Roco. I don't want to do this anymore. And then she helped me realize like when you're in a slump in, in even in life, but I like tied it to my business, but even yeah. in life you have to push through it. Cause that's the only way it gets better. Just like when I talked about earlier trials, like you don't understand in the moment while you're going through it, but then after you're like, wow, I really learned this and this and this. So I needed to get needed yeah. to go through that. So I, pushed through and now it's going so much better because I did push through that slump you know um so just because something isn't easy doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it or that you should give up like keep pushing and work through it um obviously if it's something good for you not like harming you but yes but keep pushing through it because it will like Jody Moore's whole thing is like if your business is at like its lowest or even yourself if you push through that, you only are going to go up from there. And like, it's only going to get better, you know? And one of her quotes that I love so much is that she says, trust that everything in this life is orchestrated in favor of your progression. Um, My sister-in-law actually showed me that quote. And I love it because it's also kind of like corresponds with what I said earlier. Like trust that everything in this life is orchestrated in favor of your progression. Like the trials you go through, the struggles you go through, are for your progression. You are going to learn something. You're going to become a better person. It's not just because God hates you and wants you to go through horrible yeah, things, you know? Totally. Um, so yeah, that's like a very positive outlook on like going through a trial. Yeah. And I feel like none of like my, when I, when I kind of like started talking about my story, like, um, it was only like 
probably five years ago. And my friends were like all shocked because I didn't even know, like even some of my best friends, because I just held it all inside. And it was so healing for me to like finally let it out and finally say it. And it like healed a lot of things for me. I'm like, you can't just shove things down and keep things inside, you know, like you, you have to confide, you have to let it out. You have to talk to someone, whether it's a professional therapist or just friends or whoever, like you have to let it out. And then I just had to have this mindset of, even though we go through super hard trials, doesn't mean that that trial um, defines us. And you can be the person that you want to be. You can still have the happy life you want. You don't have to live that life of the trials that you went through. Like I always was like, I'm going to do the opposite of what my parents did. You know, that's, I'm going to be the opposite parent of what they were. They were. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably feel similar in your situation. Yeah. So I feel like that's what like gets me through. And that's like the main message that I wanted about like sharing all of this is that you can be, you can have the life you want to be. You can be happy. You can choose to be happy and you can choose the path that you want to go down. You do not have to follow in footsteps of your parents or anyone else or any trial you go through does not define you and you can get back up and, and be better and be happy through that. And we've like said that from the beginning is like, I don't know for us, especially like the podcast is so healing to just like, for sure, share everything, like all the parts of our life, all the trials we've been through, the trials that we currently go through and to have people that they don't even necessarily have to respond to you, but like that are listening and you know that you're making an impact on them and like trials they're going through in that time, which even I if it's just, just like one person, yeah, there literally was a girl one that came up person. to us at the launch party and she like literally like the me like the second she saw she like started crying she's like you guys don't know how much you've like helped me overcome and heal from like and it's all worth it right there exactly. one person yeah like, literally one all one worth person. it and yeah. she was like I moved and I've like never felt so alone and like I just felt like you guys were my friends and made me feel like I wasn't alone and I'm like that's literally like the reason we do this for sure the reason that we want like to bring people like you on because mm-hmm. We haven't lived and experienced everything in the universe that other people have. And I love, I love you for coming on. And I love You're that so you shared sweet. your story. And-, and I feel like people also like the other side, like they're listening, but then they don't understand like how hard it was for me to like the, the, a lot of these things I've never been open about. Totally, so it's like, absolutely. I feel like people also have to realize the person sharing that story. It's not just like they're sharing it and it's so easy. Like it might be the first time they're ever talking about this, yep. but they're doing it because they want to help people. At least me. Like I oh, want to do this because I want to help people. I want people to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel that you can get through your trials and you don't have to, they don't have to define you. So I, I just feel like that's good perspective to have too. It's like thinking about the other person that's sharing the story and yeah. how they're feeling while they're sharing it. You and know? to be real that like life isn't just like perfect now. Like mm-hmm. you didn't get over one trial and now you're just like, oh, yeah, done we're with totally your life still and struggling. You're just like, okay, like my life's perfect now. It's like, yeah, you still, and everybody's soul is going to go through trials. Like that's what this life is about for sure, which sucks. But there is like hope and there is like so much good in this life too. Yeah. But that you can be real and like it's okay to still be going through stuff and to be like open and vulnerable with what you're going through for sure thank you for coming on i'm so glad you guys had me you're amazing oh you're amazing thank you yes of course and we'll see you guys next week on the codependent podcast seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.